Welcome to the Oregon Real Estate Podcast, where we feature helpful and interesting information on Oregon real estate. Now, here's your host, Realtor Roy Whiting. Hello, and welcome to the Oregon Real Estate Podcast. My name is Roy Whiting, and I'm a licensed Oregon real estate broker with Certified Realty. Today's program is titled, I Have an Offer on My House, Now What? Selling a home usually involves a considerable amount of planning. And like many activities, with home selling, there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. So somewhere approaching the midway point in the home selling process, and well before the finish line, you'll receive at least one offer. But what happens then? There are literally dozens of questions sellers can have about the process of home selling upon receiving an offer. Some common questions are, is the first offer usually the best one? Should I make a counter offer? What costs will I have? How long will my property be off the market before closing? How are realtors and my existing home loan paid? Learn the answers to these questions and more in this edition of the Oregon Real Estate Podcast. An offer tells you what a buyer is willing to pay and under what terms. There are essentially three options for you to consider once you receive an offer on your property. Accept reject, or make a counteroffer. Some helpful hints when you do receive an offer include confirming the expiration date on the offer in case the buyers may have other properties in mind. Sometimes when you're home selling, if you snooze, you lose. You may also want to address several potential items before you respond to an offer. These include confirming that the offer includes a lender pre-approval or pre-qualification letter, determine if the offer is subject to the sale or closing of the buyer's property, a review of specific terms within the offer that stand out or are unusual, and for legal questions, it can be a good idea to forward your offer to a real estate attorney for review. So is the first offer usually the best one? There are various factors to determine what constitutes the best offer, and that can vary greatly among sellers. For some, the best offer is the highest price. To others, the best offer will involve price, but also include factors frequently important to sellers, like how fast the sale can close, or if there is no expectation that repairs will be requested. Often, it's virtually unknowable if the first offer is the best, particularly if your home has been on the market a very short time. While first offers frequently are the best, sometimes first offers are simply coming from faster-moving buyers who are highly motivated And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's entirely possible that a second, third, or even fourth offer, if it does come in, may be from more qualified buyers or from those willing to pay a higher price under more generous terms. So how can this be so? Well, it's helpful to know that during the property search phase, many home buyers take vacations or have other obligations. And the realtors of these buyers are similarly busy. So it's not uncommon for home buyers on the hunt to be unaware for the first week after your property hits the market. 
In the meanwhile, other buyers who aren't on vacation for the moment or don't have a sick child or other obligations that might take them off the house hunt may be looking precisely when your home is placed for sale. This means that if the average market time is, say, a month, it's helpful to realize that if you get an offer the first week, you are likely priced fairly close to the market. Now, there are lightning strikes where basically a given property identically matches precisely what a buyer is looking for. It might be a certain floor plan or it might be a specific location, maybe right next door to a family member. But what we're talking about is the market in general. But getting back to if you get an offer the first week, it's fairly clear that you're likely to be getting other buyers interested. That's because by getting an offer, especially if it's somewhat close to your list price, it shows that you are likely close to the market. And that typically will mean multiple buyers having interest. So when do you consider accepting an offer? Well, if the offer is at, above, or close to your asking price, plus the buyer or buyers appear well-qualified and there are no major factors of concern, it's frequently a good idea to consider accepting the offer. So when is it a good idea to consider counter-offering? It's fairly common for buyers to make an offer that's close but not quite workable. This is why counter-offers are used. Items contained in a counter-offer change and supersede those from the original offer. Examples of changes might include price, or having three days to move out of the house after closing instead of one, perhaps altering the closing date, or whether or not an heirloom chandelier is included with the sale. If the offer is close to what you want and you aren't aware of other qualified buyers willing to better the offer you've received, a counteroffer can make a great deal of sense. One helpful philosophy to adopt when you consider using a counteroffer might be to ask yourself how you'll feel if the buyer simply walk away and purchase a different home. If you'd regret that scenario, then it may be best to simply accept the offer as written. However, if there is something in the offer you seriously need changed and you won't second-guess yourself afterward, that's often a clue to make a counteroffer. Another common question is, what if the offer seems low? Well, if you receive a low offer and your property's been on the market for longer than the average market time, Consider having your realtor research similar properties like yours that closed since yours was placed for sale. This can help you confirm if the seemingly low offered price is truly low or perhaps closer to the market than you really thought. You might also review homes now with a pending sale but not closed because while closed sales provide specific selling price information, the fact that a property now has a sale pending suggests that it may have been priced close to the market and can therefore be helpful in confirming if your current offer is in the ballpark or perhaps a bit lower than the market might bear. So when do you consider rejecting an offer? If the offer is very low, from unqualified or marginally qualified buyers, or perhaps contains contingent clauses you simply prefer not to deal with, a simple rejection may be your best response. Such closing the door on an offer is likely to end the discussion. However, don't be surprised if the same buyers return with a better offer, particularly if they're really motivated. One other factor to consider is that in our region, it's routine to receive offers containing a 10 business day home inspection contingency. This provides the buyers with sufficient time to have the home inspected and review the findings to make sure that there isn't anything scary so that they can go ahead and proceed, typically order the appraisal. If your offer contains 
a time frame that's considerably longer than 10 business days, like say 20 business days or more, understand this provides the buyers with a huge weasel clause where they can potentially back out with very little inconvenience or expense on their part. This means while your property is tied up, the buyers risk very little since in most inspection contingencies, the return of earnest money is baked into the offer. So under this scenario, your property is off the market and unavailable for purchase by other possibly stronger and more motivated buyers. This makes a good case for limiting the home inspection time period to a reasonable amount. But being off the market to other possible buyers for up to 10 business days is a calculated risk and considered a necessary part of selling as the buyers perform their due diligence, such as inspections and review of the preliminary title report. It's difficult to prevent backouts with total confidence, but if your buyers do back out once you accept their offer, that added time on the market while you search for a replacement buyer is an additional expense in hassle and potential hard costs. That's because with the sale fail, you continue to pay property taxes, plus possibly mortgage payments and insurance too. And if interest rates creep up in the meanwhile, you may lose the best chance for many qualified buyers. These situations create what's known as opportunity costs, which is the price you end up paying when making one choice over another. Namely, by choosing one option, you lose out on what could have happened with the other foregone choices. This makes a good case for trying to get it right the first time. So, like with Daniel Boone, the great frontiersman and marksman whose father reportedly gave him only one bullet for bringing home dinner, try to vet the first offer and buyer you select to the best of your ability. That's because while you'll most certainly get a second chance with another if the first buyer doesn't work out, it's usually much more pleasant to make the first offer work that you accept. Once you receive an offer on your house, it's important that you and your agent review it carefully. A general principle to keep in mind is to consider each offer as a whole, and here's why. Let's say you receive two offers. One offer from buyer number one is for your full asking price. Another offer from buyer number two is for $3,000 less than asking price. At first glance, there may seem to be little question about which buyer to work with. The difference is all in the dollars, right? Not so fast. That's because upon looking closely, your realtor notices a few potential game-changing factors. For while buyer number two's less than full price offer isn't quite the figure you'd hoped for, buyer number two's offer gives you an extra two weeks of rent-free possession of the property after the transaction is closed. That alone could provide you with two weeks of less stress for moving out, which is certainly worth something to many home sellers. Then when reviewing the seemingly full price offer from buyer number one, you realize she's asking for $8,000 in seller paid closing costs. On the other hand, buyer number two's offer asks you to pay for none of his closing costs. On top of that, buyer number one hasn't sold her home yet, so her offer is subject to the sale and closing of her property. As a result, buyer number one's offer now looks iffy at best. The lesson? Look beyond the initial price and review the entire offer. So what kind of closing costs will you have? When you receive an offer, your realtor can provide you with the seller's estimated net sheet. This itemizes your costs and provides you with an approximation of the amount you can expect to receive a closing. Home seller costs can vary, but typically include the real estate commission, which is typically only paid upon the successful close of your home sale. Other usual fees in the estimated seller's net sheet include title insurance, title company escrow and recording fees, along with any remaining taxes not yet paid, 
and possibly other existing home loans you may have on the property. So how long will my property be off the market before closing? This is a great question and the short answer is it depends. The term closing connotes the transfer of funds from buyer to seller along with a near simultaneous recording of the deed. Because a home purchase involving a mortgage lender can easily take a month or longer, the closing date is often dictated by completion of the appraisal, loan underwriting, and processing. If a cash buyer makes an offer and the transaction either goes swimmingly or there is a short due diligence period, it may be possible to close a home sale within 10 days or even less. That about wraps it up for this edition of the Oregon Real Estate Podcast. I have an offer on my house. Now what? For more information about this episode, check out the show notes over at OregonRealEstatePodcast.com. For now, this is Roy with Certified Realty, wishing you the very best. Do you have a real estate question or perhaps an Oregon property to sell? Contact Roy today for a free consultation. Just call 800-637-1950 or send your email to roy at certifiedrealty.com. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Oregon Real Estate Podcast.